0: It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in.
1: Hey there, and welcome to the Chaos to Connected podcast. So last week, I was going to get into the topic of this week, but I just, it was a tough parenting day, and so I wanted to just share that. Because I think sometimes that can be hard to find. We want to connect with other people, but I think sometimes we also don't want to share that vulnerability or maybe you don't want to share things about your kids. And so if you didn't listen to that one, go back and check it out. I think that it will be really encouraging for you if you are finding you're having a challenging day or maybe a challenging week or a challenging season. So today I want to dive into more about communication. And I think that we all know words have power and we can either use our words for good or for not so good. And sometimes that can be really, really difficult though, especially because our, most of our reactions and responses are driven from our subconscious. It's not necessarily like we're not thinking about every thought we're going to say It just kind of comes out and sometimes it can be things that we're like, eh, let's pull that back in. But I have been really diving into more reading on effective communication with our kids and I want to share this short series with you that will cover, like I said last time, a couple couple different topics surrounding communication. So today I want to talk more about problem solving and how we can encourage more of it with our kids. So I was reading something uh last week and it was sharing about how we need to begin shifting from dependence to independence and when i say this i'm not encouraging like requiring more of your child than is developmentally appropriate i think the independence is coming more from what they're doing versus like the connection with us but i do however think that you know often we can be communicating dependence more than we are even aware of. And I know as I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, this is exactly me with my three-year-old. And so for example, the way that we offer help, a lot of times I will just jump in when my child is struggling and say, do you need help? And then when my child inevitably says yes, I do it for him versus giving him the extra time to try and problem solve on his own. And if he still can't figure it out, demonstrating or providing helpful tips on how he can adjust to still do it more independently versus jumping in and completing it for him. And so this is something that, you know, I, I just particularly, like if a child is struggling, I'm just like, do you need help? And sometimes they say yes and sometimes they say no. But I think when we ask that question, more often than not, they're going to say yes, right? So for example, my oldest bought a new Lego set and my three-year-old wanted to be a part of putting it together. And one of those ways was by opening each separate bag. You know how you have like the big sets and they divide the pieces for you into all these different bags. Well, this concept had been fresh in my mind, so instead of removing the bag and just doing it for him or asking if he needed help like I normally would do, I visually demonstrated how to open it, and then he was actually able to do it. Now, he needed a few reminders as we continued through the bags, but overall, he was able to do this. And I just think this is a way that sometimes we can communicate... Lack of confidence in our kids' ability to do it when we are just simply trying to help, you know. And I feel like that's a lot of maybe what is happening. Lots of times, toddlers will say, I can do it myself, or, you know, whatever. And we're thinking, like, well, no, you actually can't. But the truth is, if we would shift from thinking of them as being more dependent in problem solving to more independent, and letting them, allowing them space to problem solve, and or giving them clear direction or visuals of how to actually do it themselves instead of just jumping in and being like, well, it's just going to be this way, you know, and they'll learn eventually. Then we can really instill some confidence in that problem solving from an early age. So this may or may not seem like something you struggle with, but I want to share a few more areas where I think We can really help our kids improve in problem solving with how we're communicating and interacting with them. So I'm sure you've heard and seen a lot of accounts discuss validating feelings and then kind of give you essentially a script of what to say to do. Now, I don't necessarily think that's wrong, but I do think there are a few flaws with that and some simple key transitions that you can make to increase the effectiveness of you know, validating your child's feelings. So one, I think we should be moving away from scripts and think more about conversations. So when we are constantly trying to remember, you know, what was I supposed to say again? And I think you know if you've been there, you know, like you saw this post, you're like, oh my kid does that. Next time they do it, I'm going to say that thing. And then you're in this moment and you're like, oh yeah, well I know there was something I was supposed to say, but what was it? So if you are in that state of mind you aren't actually learning a skill you're just trying to memorize something and the problem with this is that we won't remember in the heat of the moment right when you're triggered or you're struggling with a behavior those recommendations you're not going to remember them and because there will likely be instances that will occur that there is an example for and so then what are you going to do instead Think more conversationally. If you were sharing this experience or situation with someone, what would you want to hear? How would you show this other adult you're supportively listening to them? We can just tweak things very minimally for kids. Like, I think it's so easy, and I've mentioned this on several other podcasts, for us to think about our kids as, I don't know, like these little minions that we control or something, you know? But they are actually... People who have brains that function similarly to ours, obviously they're not fully developed. There's still, there's a lot of development to happen yet, but they still go through some of these same processes. And so really putting into perspective, how would we respond to somebody else in this situation can be really helpful for thinking about how should we respond to our child here. That's more of a conversation than, you know, I see you're really mad sort of a thing. Because I don't know about you, but like if I'm upset and I'm having a conversation with my husband, I don't necessarily want him to be like, oh, I know you're really mad. (laughs) You know, it's like, well, duh, obviously I am mad. But more like, you know, I can see why that's so frustrating for you. Like, I would hate that too. Or something, you know, like just more, like actually have a conversation with your child and don't be so worried about being rigid about, am I saying the right thing? You know, am I validating their feelings enough so that they know that I understand them? And number two, we also need to be careful about validating specific feelings because we don't necessarily know by our child's response what he or she is feeling, so I had sent out in a newsletter a while back, but I was listening to the Candice Cameron Bure, Bure podcast a while ago, and her co-host at the time was sharing a very fitting example that I want to share today. And she was talking about a time when her child had this big reaction, and she saw it as one thing. I can't you know, quite remember what that was, but I think, let's just say it was anger. And she was about to yell, and then she was glancing around the room, And she spotted the emotions chart that she had hanging on her fridge. So instead of yelling, she paused, grabbed the chart, and asked her son which face he felt like. And he said, embarrassed. I have had this same experience with my oldest. It looked exactly like frustration or anger, but in actuality, he was feeling nervous. And when I also shared this concept on my Instagram a few weeks ago, someone messaged me saying, like trying to tell what her grandson was feeling is hard because sometimes you just don't know and sometimes you're wrong. And so I think that really being aware that we don't have to say, oh, you're so mad right now, but really being in conversation like, oh, that sounds really hard or I can see how that would be really upsetting or really challenging and and not worrying so much about specifically saying, I see you are X, Y, Z. So now how does this tie into problem solving? When your child is struggling, use this framework to help your child work through it. So I want to give this example Of my son because I had literally read this the day before and then we had this experience and it was (laughs) mind-blowing to me so he really wanted to use some of his money to order a lego set so it is you know not near Christmas nor birthday so we're not just like handing out money (laughs) to go and buy stuff and so you know we really say if you want that then you can use your money to purchase it and he was interested in doing that so he like picked out what he wanted and then I was like okay so do you want me to order it and when I said that he, he was so conflicted yes or no and just like really strong emotions about it like yes and then he'd almost like scream and be like no, I don't know because he really wanted the Lego set, but he didn't want to spend a large chunk of his money. You know, he's only six, so what this Lego set would cost was at least probably about half of what he had. And I had said I had some um, Amazon like money cash back or whatever, so I said he could use that. This would be the last time because I've done it before, and I said, next time I'm not going to use this on Legos. But I offered that to him. And so he was, you know, really grateful for that. But it continued to be this battle. And literally for two, like at least two hours, it went back and forth. Like, yes, order it. And I'd be like, okay, just, you know, so you want this one. And then he would, you know, (laughs) go into this big explosion again. And so much of that time he would say, well, what should I do? And I just kept encouraging him. Like, you'll figure it out. You'll work it out. Um, I'm not going to tell you what to do when normally that's what we want to do, right? We want to say, well, this is the better decision because of our experience, because of our knowledge, our cognitive capabilities, our problem solving level versus our child's. And instead, I had him write a list of, you know, why he would want it and why he wouldn't. And that helped a little, but not enough. And so I just kept. Allowing him to be bothered and validating not that he was, you know, mad or, or whatever he could have been, but just like, it's really hard to spend your money. You know, like a conversation about how these life concepts and skills are really hard. And I have a hard time sometimes too. And he finally came to a decision. And after he made that decision, the rest of the day, he could not stop saying, oh, I'm so glad I picked that one. I picked the best one, you know, and just like all these different versions of that. And I just thought like, it is so challenging. <laughs> like there were so many times in that two to three hour span where I just wanted to give up and lose it because I was like the whining, <laughs> you know, like it's really not that big of a deal, but we have to pull back and remember that these are a big deal To our kids, it might not seem big to us because we have so much other life experience, but to them, it's a huge deal. And so allowing that process and just letting them problem solve themselves and encouraging and instilling confidence like, I know you'll make a great decision and kind of being there to support them, but not... Giving them what to do like even as an adult have you ever called your mom and been like just tell me what to do I've done that a lot of times. I used to do that all the time in like college and i'd be like, I just want you to tell me what to do and I think this is a great place to start, even with our youngest kids, because the confidence that he had after he finally made the decision was so worth the agony of sitting through that two hours of just like thinking, is this ever going to end? So I would just encourage you to try that next time and just know that at the end, whether it's in this specific instance or whether your child has you know, a big meltdown where there's lots of crying. If you can just push through and not distract or try to get your child out of it, but really allow them to work through it in their own time, the results are like a light switch. Um, okay. The last way that I want to share about effective communication with problem solving is with sibling relationships. So I know that sibling conflict can be challenging for a lot of people. I've heard a lot of people share that with me. If you're like me, my initial response was always to separate them when a disagreement or fight broke out. It just felt easiest to me, right? Like, you go over there, you go over there, let's just leave each other alone. But what I come came to learn is that separation breeds separation and the lack of ability to problem-solve solutions together. So if you're constantly separating them, whenever you go and leave the room to do something else, when they have a disagreement and you're not there, they haven't had the time or the training to actually figure out what to do. And then it becomes another fight. And that's exactly what was happening for us. So what I have recently been focusing more on is taking the time to kind of get them together in the same space, but generally with me in between them. So everyone's safe, you know, in case, tensions arise, but taking them through the problem-solving process. So, you know, like, tell me your side, tell me your side, what can we do about this? Or you could try this. Um, and while that was somewhat effective, I've also realized that the goal, at least for me, isn't for me to walk them through it every time, but to give them the tools to do it themselves. Because I want them to be able to do this when I'm not in the room, right? Like I want to be able to load the dishwasher or go to the bathroom or something and not have a disagreement break out in the one minute I'm gone and lead to all chaos. I also want them to be able to do this with other kids. So instead of breaking down like what happened with each child and asking what could be done, I now try to start with, can you come up with a solution for XYZ? Can you figure out what to do here? And I kid you not, the first day I started doing this, later that afternoon, my oldest was doing it without any prompts. And so, for example, I'll just share this, you know, it's again about about Legos. My kids are super into Legos right now. But he needed more wheels for a Lego set that he wanted to make, but we didn't have any more because they have created so many of their own creations that we literally have no wheels and no steering wheels left. Um but normally he would instantly call me over um and especially if it would result in conflict with, you know, his younger brother because he wanted the wheels that he had. But later, you know, I was out doing something. I came to find out that he had asked to trade with my younger son wheels for making him another creation, you know. So my 3-year-old is really starting to put things together. But nowhere near in the way that my older son does. And so he knows this. He recognizes it. He recognizes he wants help to build certain creations. And so he offered this solution to get himself the wheels. And I just thought, wow, like that was not only unexpected, but such a great idea. And when we give our kids the opportunity, they will likely surprise us over and over again. And think of things... To do in that situation that we might not have thought of otherwise, that are even better ideas than what we would have thought of. So, I mean, obviously, it doesn't always work out this beautifully, especially because, you know, we just started. It's just really thinking about shifting the way that we word things slightly to help our children recognize that we have confidence in them versus that we don't. That they need our help because they can't think of it themselves or aren't smart enough to. And even though that's not what we're trying to communicate, I just think a lot of times when we're like, oh, do you need help? And kind of jumping in right away and doing it or they do something and then we correct it. This is the message that we're communicating. So I want you to think about how people talk to you or approach what you're doing. Ways in which they communicate that make you feel less than versus ways they communicate that make you feel like you can accomplish anything like have you ever had that person that just like they speak to you and you're like wow like they think i'm so amazing like i feel so great about myself and then you have conversations with other people that are just like wow (laughs) what a downer you know like which one are you being for your child because it can be so 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 easy to get stuck in this Um, other form of communication that we don't want to be in, but it's just so second nature and it, it can come out so quickly without even thinking about it. So this is what we want to transition to with our kids through how we are communicating you know, to them. And so just reflecting on how you want to be communicated, reflecting on how you feel like you are communicating, and is there some ways that maybe you could shift things a little bit in order to encourage your child to be, more of a problem solver, whether that is talking them through how to do something for themselves. Maybe it's holding your mouth shut when they did do something for themselves and they did it incorrectly. Like your child put their shoes on, but they put them on the wrong feet. You know what? Like who cares really? (laughs) You know, if they notice, they might change it. Um, if that really bothers you, you could maybe put like a sticker on their shoes. So it shows which foot it goes on so that they're more independent, but you're not constantly saying, Oh, your shoes are on the wrong feet because just, there's just all these little messages that happen. And I think, you know, perception, how are they perceiving what we're saying versus what's our intention behind it? Right? Like our intention is always to be helpful and to make things easier for them, but is that really what they're perceiving, and reflecting on that, and seeing it, is there anything that I would like to adjust here? So I hope that can be an encouragement to you, and both in, you know, empowering you to kind of shift your language a little bit if needed, but also to recognize that our kids really do have some amazing skills, and like, let's boost that, (laughs) you know, let's bring that out in them, because, It's also really helpful for us when they can do more by themselves, right? And especially problem solving with siblings. Really, really, really helpful when they can be working through things together versus always needing us to step in. So if you're finding it really difficult, if you're struggling with any type of behavior, if you're struggling managing your triggers and you're like, this part is so far off, I can't even think about that because I have so many things over here that I am too overwhelmed with then I want to encourage you to go to the show notes and book a call with me. This call is free. There's no commitments or anything, but it will give you the opportunity to share what you're struggling with and for me to say specifically, lay out for you how I would recommend going about it and how I can help you in that process because we can consume all the free stuff that we want and sometimes that can be helpful But oftentimes there is so much to sort through and the free stuff is great, but it's just like surface level, right? And you might be at a place where you're like, I need more than that. I need, I'm overwhelmed if you're like me when I am overwhelmed or I'm in a place where I need information. I'm like, please just tell me what to do and I will do it. That is what I help you through with coaching. Now I do have A 30-day behavior blueprint and a 30-day tame your triggers. They're slightly different, both 30 days, but they focus on different things. One is more focused on your child's behavior. One is more focused on your triggers. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't going to be some overlap. But if you don't know where you should start, that would be a good conversation for us to have. I also have my full complete program, which is three months long. Now, if you want to do the 30-day program... I would highly, highly, highly encourage you if you were listening to this in real time, the cutoff for like to complete the program before I have another child would be Monday the 14th. Now we can still start it knowing you know after that that there will likely be an interruption and we might not go completely straight through. And if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that too. But this would be a really great opportunity before the school year starts, whether you homeschool or... Go Have your kids go to school or start daycare to really get behaviors under control, to understand how to help your child. Because when they're going to school, when they're focusing, behaviors can amp up and make it even more challenging. And when you have less time with them and your time is focused in the evenings... Wouldn't it be so much better to have peace and joy and laughter than chaos and arguing and overwhelm? So, if you're feeling like you might need some help, please go to the link in the show notes. Book a call. Again, there's no commitment. Like You can have the call and decide, I'm not ready yet or that's not for me. But at least you'll have the information to make that decision. So, I'm going to leave that in the show notes. I'm going to leave the, the info page. So if you want to get the details before jumping on the call, you can do that as well. And I hope you have a great weekend or week whenever you're listening to this. And I will talk to you next week. Real quick
0: before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors.